from Workhouse Connect and A.J. Benza. Fame. Uh, he liked to be walked on a leash and play really dirty, kinky sex games. He's a... The guy put the cock in the Peacock Network, okay? Bitch. Hey, everybody. A.J. Benza here for Fame is a Bitch. Six more fucking days to this month and it's over. And by the way, uh, I mean, I'm not going to put this on the same level as this Chinese flu, but I'm walking a dog this morning, you know, no problem. I mean, she's got the enlarged heart, so we're dealing with that and she's on the medicine and her tolerance has gone up, so she needs a little more than she used to have, blah, blah, blah. She does a little pee-pee this morning, no problem. She's crossing the street and suddenly uh, she can't get her balance on four legs. She's like walking like she's a punch-trunk fighter. I go, Lily, what's up? And she just falls over on her side. Naturally, I was a mess, you know, thinking, okay, this is it. She's dying in the street right in front of me. And um, I don't know, brought her inside. She snapped out of it. I don't know what the fuck's going on. Um, So I'm begging this month to hurry the fuck up and get on with it. Get on with things. Let's get to April. Things always turn out good in April. Another day, another celebrity thinking they need to step up and do something do anything, actually, just so they can keep themselves in our minds. Actually, another day, another multiple amounts of fucking, you know, ridiculous celebrities trying their best to stay relevant and in the conversation. Repeat after me, relevant and in the conversation. And if you know me in this show, you know I hate that expression. Right now, nothing and nobody needs to stay relevant and in the conversation. Just stick to yourselves. Let's beat this virus together by by not giving it more chances to, pre- to spread. So just, that's all we got to do right now. Everything else, let, let, let the big shots handle. We just got to stay apart and, and, and you know what we got to do. Went to the park, shot some baskets with Rocco. It's so funny, you know, like a mother dropped her son off and she's like, don't let anybody touch your ball. Okay, you know, like... <laughs> I mean, we're not playing pickup games. We're just taking shots because you got to get out of the house. But, you know, McDonald's this morning, there's now a blue line in on the floor. You can't go past the blue line and you got to put money in a little pan. Then the guy behind the counter takes the pan with his gloves, takes the money out, puts your change back in the pan. And I'm looking going, okay, you know. And of course, when it comes time to give me my food, I see he's like making room in the bag for Fry. My wife wanted fries at 11 o'clock in the morning. Fries and the, and the breakfast sandwiches. And I go, you see what I'm saying, dude? There's no reason for the for the blue line on the floor and the pan for change when you got your bare hand in my bed. I said, I'm not mad at you because I'm not really that nervous. But like, do you see? And he's only a kid. where He has no say in the rules and shit. This is McDonald's corporate bullshit. I wouldn't doubt it if Gavin Newsom himself came down put some makeup on. He looked, Gavin Newsom always looks like he's about to just jump in the next disaster movie. And uh, there's actually a, there's actually a scene from the movie Contagion where Lawrence Fishburne, I think it's Contagion, Lawrence Fishburne is talking to Sanjay Gupta, the CNN, you know, doctor, scientist, whatever you want to call him. And Gupta is talking to Fishburne about this virus that's taken over the, the country or the world. And then you see Gupta saying largely the same stuff now on CNN. It's very surreal. If you just looked at the script from that movie several years back, he could have said the same. He is saying the same stuff. 
So that's all we've got to do is just stay away, stay apart. I listened to Debbie Mazar talk about what she went through and how she's battling through it. You know, she's like eight days in now. She doesn't look bad. I haven't seen anybody who has this thing come on internet, social media, and talk and look like death. I read stories about people who just fucking, it was the worst thing ever. I couldn't handle it. My feet didn't work. My you lose your sense of taste and smell. But Debbie seemed to like crystallize everything neatly. You know, I was a smoker, so I had to watch out because of my lungs, but they didn't get too heavy. And I was on Tylenol and I did this. Seemed pretty, you know, like the kind of thing we can get over. So I'm not worried as much. I'm more pissed off at the kind of restrictions that are being slapped on us. That's it. I'm not going to get into that for this for today's show. But aside from these celebrities, Jim Carrey. Jim Carrey yesterday promised on Instagram that he's not going to shave. He's going to grow that. Remember that ugly beard he had for the longest time? Now he's going to put it back on until this lockdown or whatever it's being called is called off. So Jim Carrey, who's really funny and very intelligent when he wants to be, and not being all political. He felt the need to jump up and, you know, on his own in front of us and let us know, hey, hey, America, this is what I'm up to. So now his wish to have an audience, which is where all these celebrities flourish, is a, is a reality for him. Now he's got an audience. There are people going to tune in to see his beard grow. Is there anything more boring? And even though he's not taping his incredibly weird and pretentious and also emasculating TV show. What's it called? Kind, kind. It's a terrible show. I remember I made fun of it about a year and a half ago. It's awful. Every guy's got no 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 balls, and even the husband is half a fag. You can't watch this show. But this guy now, Jim Carrey, is going to wake up knowing he has an audience to get to. He said, "Day one, I'm growing a beard until we all go back to work. I'll post regular. So we all go back to work. You know, like he like he has to go to work." I'm going to post regular pictures so you can marvel at the miracle of my meaningless transformation. Obviously, he's having a good time with it. But, you know, these people need an audience. They really do. It's kind of embarrassing. Please join me. Hashtag let's grow together. Are we all supposed to do this? What the fuck? Then there's Erica Badu, who's just become a complete pretentious pain in the asshole the last 10 years or so, more than ever. Uh, She charged fans a dollar to live stream a concert that she performed in her bedroom while wearing uh, masks. Her and her band wore masks. It's called the Quarantine Concert Series Apocalypse One Show. And she says she's doing it to support her band while their shows are indefinitely on hold. And she streamed it on her Badu World Market site. I don't know. Do people go to these things? Another tone-deaf celebrity. Maybe the worst of all yesterday was Wendy Williams. Wendy Williams did a mock Hot Topic segment from her new Manhattan apartment. Well, not new. Several months old apartment downtown Tribeca. It looked, well, she was only in a corner of it, so it's a bunch of shit behind her, so it's very very messy. Not dirty, but just a lot of shit going on. And she's in there, and uh, she's drinking a big old, like she had one of those big, tall beer cups, like the, the tall glass beers, but she had orangina in it, she says. I don't know. And she says she's drug-free for now. And look, and I wish her luck staying straight because if there ever was a time where people want to go out and get high and tune out, this is it. So good for anybody who's staying straight. So she's sitting there and she's waxing on these bizarre topics. Like she has this Betty Boop statue. 
It's on her desk. It's holding a, a Chanel bag. It's got a Gucci belt. It's got a disco ball. Um, and she had the Betty Boop doll spray painted black. She said she talked to her spray painter friend. Don't we all have one? Her spray paint artist friend, because she says, look, as a black parent, it's important that I have things around the house that gave my kid a, a role model that looks like him. I don't know why you think your son needs Betty Boop as a fucking role model, but I know what she's getting at. She wants things in her house to depict her her race, her nationality. Fine. You know, she could have had a picture of MLK Jr. up there, Malcolm X, Jim Brown, I don't know, Prince, Harriet Tubman, whoever the fuck. But um, she chose to paint a white cartoon character like Betty Boop black. I got to give her a little bit of a pass because I, I have heard on for for years now that Betty Boop was actually inspired by a cartoon character that a cartoonist uh, inspired or drew it because it was inspired by a real life black jazz singer named uh, Esther Jones from Harlem. Um, Wendy Williams didn't know the person's name, which is kind of bad in and of itself. She should know that. Uh, why do I know? And she doesn't. But either way. Very bizarre conversation. She's sitting there, did not have to do this. I don't think anybody's screaming and crying for more Wendy Williams. I think we can wait. But it was more for her to feel needed than it was for anyone else to actually enjoy. Because she's on there. Well, she went on to tell some stories like she always does. And I'm not going to shit on her for that. But her audience loves her for those stories. Okay. But I don't want to see her pick up a lollipop lamb chop with marmalade on it and eat them. And she's chewing the meat and trying to talk and chewing with her mouth open. I don't like watching people eat. I don't even like going out to dinner and watching people eat. To me, it's such a gross thing. We just shovel food into the holes in our head and talk. Most of the time, I think we should always eat alone, not facing anyone, because we all look like crazy people when we eat. When I'm hungry, you don't want to look at me. I look and sound ridiculous. So she's shoving a lollipop lamb chop in her mouth. That's not all. Then she picks up a long toothpick or, or a wooden wooden pick with a piece of beef on it, like a beef satay. You know, it's like wrapped around or... And, you know, okay, big piece of beef, Mongolian beef. I don't know. Where, wherever she got the lamb chop, lollipop lamb chop, she probably got the beef. But she takes a jar of maple syrup and she pours the maple syrup on the beef and she eats that and her fucking teeth are showing and the insides of her mouth are showing. And then, okay. She had some shit. She was dipping the lamb chops. So like I said, it was marmalade, marmalade, maple syrup on the beef. And then fatty pulls out a soft shell crab. And breaks it in half and starts devouring that. And by the way, she poured hot sauce on the crab and kept coughing into her hands. <laughs> you know, she had to put hot sauce to make sure her, her black card was still accepted all over town and that she's still on the team. But she's ripping the crabs in two, chewing and burping and talking. The fuck out of here. Who eats lamb, beef, and crab in one sitting, let alone three days? Oh, you know, and the champagne flute or big, tall beer, not of champagne flute, it's a big beer thing. Orangey in my ass. I call it bullshit. Her eyelids were blinking too slowly. Not saying she was high. If she was, I'm not going to blame her. But 
there was a part where, where she mysteriously told us she was a wanted woman. She was talking about dating and how people are, people look at her and want her and people want to watch her eat food. And she was telling somebody in her house, you know, you want to watch me eat some fucking DJ named Boofy or Booty. I don't know. Some DJ who was there. You know, you want to watch me eat. These people who hang around with, with celebrities like this, they, it, there's nothing. All they want to do is get that. Like he's there because he wants to get. He wants to eat at the nice restaurant that's going to deliver to Wendy's apartment. That's what he's there for. And she went on to say, you know, you got to order a lot of food. You can't just order a, a hamburger because they don't want to come and give you a $10 hamburger and have the guy get a $2 tip. You got to buy like $80, $90 of food. Keep it for two days, three days, because it, you got to make it worth it for them. And that's the problem that some of the wealthy people have. I'm not going to get upset about it. That's what they got. They got all the crab, beef. <laughs> lamb chops, I can't take it. I mean, I, but to to talk about how she's a wanted woman, come on, Wendy, please. If there's any any kind of line of men to date her, they're interested in her money. And by the way, if you think if you think she doesn't listen to what I've said about her for the last two years, you're wrong. Because I show my kids, I have her phone number, and unless she butt dials me constantly, I don't know. I get at least one call from her a week. And my kid's like, Dad, pick up, pick up. I'm like, no, I'm not going to pick up. Let her say something. Never leaves a message. And, uh, you know, you know, even though when you butt dial someone, you can tell when you look at your phone, outgoing calls, you go, oh, my God, I just, strangers tell me, I'm sorry I butt dialed you twice. It's like, no problem. So when somebody you know, whatever. I don't give a fuck. Anyhow, but that's not the end of it. Then I watched Sharon Stone open her heart on Instagram last night. And this this is a weird one because look, I don't tell this story about her, but I've been I've been very close to her and and I got to listen to her talk and, and smile and laugh with her. And she did her movie star shit with me many years ago. And I don't even tell that story. I don't want to cuz I, I well, you know, I'm not going to tell it, but it's a good story, okay? But whenever I see her posting anything on Instagram, I I have to watch and listen because I remember being with her one night and listening to her talk. And when, when this happened, this is like 90, 98, 99, you know, blown away by her. So I'm very intrigued by what she says because she's still the same person. But now that I'm older and I can't give a shit about celebrity, I just can't bear what these people say. Um, But she is a fucking movie star. There's no doubt about it. Well, you know, I was there at the Oscars in 96 when she walked in with that gap turtleneck and blew the place apart. You know, I saw her shut down conversations when she walked in the room. She's got it. You know, she just does. But here we are many years later and as beautiful as she still looks, don't get me wrong. When she posts shit on Instagram, she comes across as somebody who was so desperate for attention. It almost makes me feel like I don't think people like her think that they're uh, the, the the films, they, their legacy of film work is good enough. You know what I mean? There are some people you can tell this person is satisfied with their work. They're satisfied with their legacy. I had a long conversation with Stallone about legacy. He hates that word because he thinks most people don't have one, didn't leave one. And he was obsessed with leaving one. I mean, he's, he, he was haunted by that. I mean, he wanted to be a strong guy and a tough guy actor and an action star when he saw Steve Reeves pull apart the two concrete columns in the movie of many, many years ago when he was a kid. He goes, I want to be that guy. And, and you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger wanted to be the bodybuilder, then the actor, then the politician. These guys have such fire in their belly that when you're around them, as I was lucky enough to be, 
it puts something inside your body. And I wish it could have lasted longer in me because you start to lose it. You don't get the same amount of chances, blah, blah, blah. But then you just are left with complete admiration for these people because they don't cheat. They didn't get things easily. They worked their fucking ass off and they heard no so many times it'll make you sick. For Stallone to hear no for Rocky for six years in a row and then be told, you can't be the star. So forget it. We're going to buy the script from you for a hundred grand. You can't be in it. Well, you're not going to buy it from me. Okay, we'll give you 250. No, not going to sell it unless I'm in it. The number kept going up until finally they said, let the fucking guy be in it. And what happens? What was born out of that? How many tens of billions of dollars has Hollywood made because of that? Yes, he got in the room. Anyhow, Sharon Stone, I feel, is not happy with the film work she's left behind. And I think when she comes on Instagram, and some other people too, they're not happy with what with what they've given. So they want to try to give more. And it comes across as just reaching and trying too hard. It doesn't come across as honest. So she's online yesterday trying to tell us how great we're all acting and what she's very proud of us. Like, you fucking break. You're proud of me. You don't know what the fuck I do. You know, and she's on there and listen, it's a great time to get to the core of you, get to the core of you. So that's our assignment, guys. Sharon Stone says for all of us to get to our core. Mm, Right, right, right. And she loves to tell us about herself. And, you know, not too long ago, she told us she got blocked on on the dating app Bumble because they didn't believe it was her. But the message yesterday was for all of us to stay home and not go anywhere and I love all the celebrities who have 10,000 square foot mansions to get low. Sharon Stone's house, when you see the front of it, you think, oh, it's kind of quaint. Then you see it from the back and there's like a whole fucking town behind it. So these people who have 10, 12, 15,000 square foot houses, of course they can just quarantine and hang out and have fun. The bathroom I'm doing this podcast in, I, I could easily hit both walls if I stretch my hands out. I'm not complaining. I'm just saying this is where this is where, where most of us are at, where we're not in a spot where we can get lost and hide from our family. Every word I'm saying now, my my kids and my wife are, I don't know, nine feet away. <laughs> Anyhow, I guess it'll make us stronger. Um, but she thinks it's the same for all of us. 10,000 square foot house or a bathroom. You could stretch your arms out and touch both walls. Get to the core. Yeah. Uh, Sharon, I could take a shit while I do this show. How about that? Okay, I don't have to move. I'm actually sitting on the toilet. I might as well flip the lid up and kill two birds with one stone. But I won't do that. But it's another celebrity looking for camera time. It's like a fish out of water who can't breathe. You ever, you ever have a fish tank or anything? Your fish jumps out of the tank and you find... One time, my sister Rosalie... Rosalie has this ESP thing. My father had it. I have it to a degree. But when I was a kid, Rosalie had like four instances that were ridiculous displays of extrasensory perception. She was engaged to an Italian guy named Alphonse. Her first boyfriend was going to be her husband. They were engaged. Alphonse would come over, and he took me down the street to go get, I don't know, Italian ices or some shit. He was from Italy. And he had the accent and everything. He told me to take AJ. We're going to get ices. Right? Take me to get ices. My, Rosalie says she told my mother, Mom, I just was washing my hands, and I have a vision that AJ's mouth is bleeding. You know, the car came back. Two minutes later, Alphonse had to stop short at a light. This is before people wore seatbelts. I smashed my mouth into the dashboard. I come home with a bloody mouth. Another time, my mother and father went to the movies. Me, Rosalie, and Lorraine, my other sister, are sitting downstairs watching TV. As my mother and father are out of the house, Rosalie just blankly says, Daddy lost his wallet. This was not something he was doing on the regular. 
She just said that. I'm like, okay, Ralph. An hour and a half goes by. Mommy and Daddy come back. We run to the front door. Daddy, Daddy, where's your wallet? He hits his back pant pocket. He goes, where the fuck is my wallet? They went back to the theater. It was on the floor. So this third thing she did, we're eating dinner over her house, which was next door to our house. And my father had a fish tank, and he had this big Oscar fish. And we used to feed it live bugs and crickets and killies and shit. Big fucking fish. Never jumped out of the tank, ever. And there was some, it was like there was stuff on top of the tank where he couldn't get out. But one day we're having dinner at Rosalie's, and she just says, in the middle of it, Daddy, Oscar jumped out of the tank. We all left her house, ran down the steps, through her backyard, through our backyard, into our kitchen, into our living room, and there's Oscar floundering on the shag rug, begging for water, you know, begging to be back. That's what Sharon Stone and other celebrities remind me of. That was a long way of saying they need our attention like they need oxygen. When their shows have stopped taping and they're, they're not able to exercise their talents, they become these incorrigible kids they were when they were young. They want to be put on stage. They want you to look at them. They want you to listen to them. Oh, you know, it's just... Um, the kind of kid that you know, this one needs the world's attention. You just know it. My little niece who got to be famous on a Disney show, when, when she was my flower girl at two years old, um, she was uh, she got spooked walking down the aisle. And she ran up the aisle and she ran up crying. And she was the star of our little our little wedding dinner. She was, you know, she was a little two-year-old cute kid, but she used to take her clothes off and run around among family. And leave her little panties on. That's what she liked to do. She'd do it in the car when you weren't looking on, on drives. And I remember saying, she's going to be an actress or a stripper. Look at her. We, I would laugh and say that. But I said, this, of course she became an actress. So there's some people you just know it's going to happen. But these Jim Carrey, Sharon Stone, Wendy Williams, it's like they're just not getting enough. Anyhow, at least Sharon's a beautiful woman. She'll, she'll no. But we, we, but the other guy that just destroyed me was another one, I guess, who didn't see Gal Gadot's ridiculous uh imagine song that all the f- celebrities sang a verse of Tyler Perry comes out and convinces all his black friends to sing he's got the whole world in his hands and Tyler Perry does the first verse very very emotional very dramatic you know not as Medea he did it as Tyler Perry and then he says I want you to do it now and then everybody else who went was every black friend he ever had that that are in all his movies I can't name half of them but they all did a verse they all sang it fantastic they all did gospel versions of it you know this is a, a, a negro spiritual but this was the winner of all the losers the entertainment shows couldn't wait to talk about Tyler Perry's noble effort. Tyler Perry is known for including positive messages in his plays and films. No, he's not. Normally revolved around his Christian faith and belief practices. This is what entertainment tonight. As fear and anxiety kick in due to the coronavirus, he's using his platform to encourage others to hold on to their faith during this time. Okay. He's doing all he can for people to notice him. That's what he's doing. Would, would you stop with the platform to encourage others? to have faith. Give me a break. He, he introduces a song, and he's asking people to sing the song, sing the gospel classic. He's got the whole world in his hands. Let everybody know there's a higher power involved in all of this. So after Tyler starts it, then comes a number of his black pals, not one white person, one Hispanic person that I don't know anything about, and that person sang it in Spanish. I didn't know half of them, like I said, but you got to see the last person. I forget this person's name. It's a black singer that people... Oh, he's on the internet a lot. 
fantastic voice. Don't get me wrong, but I mean, his that verse should take you. He's got the whole world in his what a minute. This guy went on for seven fucking minutes. He drew this out. Uh, the la- you have to see. Just look up Tyler Perry and listen to the last guy sing. Talk about a person wanting attention. It was an obscene amount of attention. Again, what the fuck does this do for all of us? What does it do? Uh, show me a picture of a celebrity walking into a church. Show me a picture of them actually praying. This whole thing about making us stronger, having faith. What is this thing? But I'll tell you the most thirsty example of a celebrity wanting attention during this crazy time. And I'll tell you right now, it's Mia Farrow. Mia Farrow decided to stick it up Woody Allen's ass after his memoirs came out. And we all learned some of the bad things he says about Mia as a mother, including her habit of sleeping in the nude with Ronan Farrow when he was 11 or 12. I told you, Mia Farrow is a bitchy, calculated counterpuncher. And she decides to release something on Twitter yesterday. And there's a video. Jackie Robbins put it up. Fame fam. Um, It's a video Mia Farrow took of her and Woody's supposed biological son, Ronan. And there's Ronan as a teenager singing a Stephen Sondheim original song for what Mia said was to celebrate Sondheim's 90th birthday bullshit. It was to showcase how much a teenage Ronan Farrow looks and sounds like a Broadway version of Frank Sinatra, his real father. If you're a Sinatra file, like I am, you look at Ronan's mannerisms, the way he moves his arms when he sings this song, the way he even breathes while singing, and that was something Frank was so proud of and felt it made a big difference in the way he sang. Oh my God, if this isn't Frank's kid, give up. If you still don't see it, you're blind. So Mia Farrow puts up her dukes and throws a punch at Woody Allen's accusations that leaked out of his book review. And listen, the way he sings, not for nothing, it's perfect Broadway singing. Of course, he could use a little bit tuning here and there, but it's not really for me. But, you know, the style, every Broadway show you've seen, this song would work in. It's also very gay. I mean, all you, I, what I mean by that is when I look, I was in the theater department in college, and this is like the automatic way guys sing for a stage performance. It's just that it's that thing. You know the voice they put on for Broadway. It's like a certain thing they have. It's very exaggerated, fourth wall kind of volume, the enunciating of the words for the old ladies in the back row. It's all there. It's not a knock. I'm just saying it's, it's an observance. But, you know. Ronan Farrow is obviously a kid who was brought up in a lot of theater. He's the son of an accomplished actress and a filmmaker father. So he was shown his share of Broadway shows in his time, without a doubt. And that produces a certain kind of kid. Listen, I saw Rent six times in a year and Phantom of the Opera with Chico a bunch of times. We used to sit together and cry. So I'm as close to gay as can be without wearing the white pants and the teal belt. But it bears repeating. What Woody Allen wrote in his memoir, Apropos of Nothing, when you hear what he said about how he attacked Mia as a mother, to me, it's very obvious why she posted the Ronan Farrell singing video. Whatever you feel about their crazy relationship, trust me, as a man, the hardest thing to take has to be finding out that your kid is really not from your sperm. I don't care if you're 85, 83 like Woody is. It's got to hurt. And like I said yesterday, Woody says about Ronan Farrow, I think he's mine, though I'll never really know. 
She may have been sleeping with Frank, as she hinted, uh, may have had any number of outside affairs, for all I know. Of course she did. Woody, Woody brags in his book that never once did he stay the night at Mia's apartment. Come on, give me a break. And he writes about her having 11 living children, four of whom were biological, and seven who were adopted. And he said, he said uh, she first told him she wanted to have his baby on their first date, and he thought it was a red flag. And weeks later, they're on another date at a Chinese restaurant, and right away, she's suggesting they marry. So he's accused her of being screwed up. From way back then, he felt, he even said he felt that she was potentially molested as a kid because her family had some shitty people in it. And if you know the story of Mia Farrow's family, her brother, John Charles, was sentenced to 10 years in prison in 2013 for molesting boys. And, and you know, what he says, he heard a rumor early on that Mia's brothers had been aggressive with Mia's sisters and that the Farrow brother, who's now serving years in prison, John Charles, has said that their father, Mia Farrow's father, molested him. So, you know, you see how predisposed Mia Farrow is to thinking somebody's being abused? I, it, so what he lashes out at Mia Farrow's parenting and obsession with adopting? He claimed that she treated orphans like toys. He said she once sent back a Mexican infant from Texas for reasons only known to her. She wouldn't get into it. He claimed that she also sent back a little boy with spina bifida who lived in her apartment for a few weeks because her son Fletcher found him annoying. Listen, I mean, you do that with dogs, I'm sure, but a fucking kid? And on top of that, he says there may have been other kids she adopted, but he's got no idea because, like I told you, he lived on the other side of the park. So even more damning than all that, he says that, you know, Mia liked the saintly reputation and the public admiring her, but she hated raising the kids and didn't really look after them. And that's a knock that not only Woody has on her, a lot of people do. She was unnaturally obsessed with Ronan. He holds firm on that because he says when he was born, she took him into a bedroom, into the bed, and insisted on breastfeeding him for a long time. And she kept telling Woody she intended to do it for years. And that the studies that she looked into, anthropological studies, showed positive results from tribes where breastfeeding goes on much longer. And Woody made a joke, much longer than on the Upper West Side. (laughs) The point is, did she do this? Is that why Ronan Farrow is so fucking smart and finished college at 16? I don't know. And then years later, two women who worked for me and Farrow, Sandy Bullock and Judy Hollister, babysitter, and housekeeper. They talk about incidents, and Woody has no problem talking about what they said. Sandy said she saw Mia sometimes sleeping in the nude with, with Ronan. Well, he was uh, he was called Satchel back then. With Ronan a bunch of times till he was 11 years old. You know, my son's 12. He doesn't want to see mommy naked. And if he did, ugh, we just talked about this the other night. I saw my mother naked, and it. I still can see everything. And we're going on almost 50 years later it affects a boy. So I don't know what the anthropologist would say about that, but I can imagine what the guys in the pool room would say. That's what Woody wrote in the book. This book is going to be fun to read if you can get past the parts that you hate him for. But like I said yesterday, these two are nuts. On one hand, Alan said he was first, he was warned about dating Mia by Dory Previn. Dory Previn is the ex-wife of Mia's eventual husband, Andre Previn who said that she told Woody that Farrow 
lured away her husband Andre from her. And Woody Allen critics are going to like to say that once he and Diane Keaton broke up, the story was that he went and dated two of Diane Keaton's sisters. But then again, that says about as much about the girls and about Diane Keaton as it says about Woody Allen. Look, it was the 70s. A lot of people did crazy shit. But remember what I've always told you about Mia being skilled in the art of revenge. Remember what Robert Evans told me about what Mia Mia Farrow did to Frank Sinatra when they were married and Frank wanted her off that movie, Rosemary's Baby, and onto his movie, The Detective. And when she said no, Frank told Evans, I'm going to send divorce papers to the set and I'll fucking get rid of her. And Mia wouldn't do it. And Frank sent divorce papers and she broke down and cried and she went to Evans and Evans lied to her. He had to. He said, I've seen the dailies. You're a shoo-in for an Oscar on this movie. You cannot leave. And she believed him. And she was nominated. It wasn't like he was lying. And she believed him and she stayed on board. She made the movie a big fucking hit. When the movie came out and Sinatra's detective came out, his bombed. Rosemary's Baby was a huge hit. Mia Farrow took out a full page ad in Variety to show both films grosses. And that is the kind of shit she does. So, listen, uh, what she did yesterday, the day Woody's accusations hit about her being a mom, she trots out an old video of the son she knows isn't his and shows the world how he's got pipes like his old man. That's hardcore. But that's the way it's always been between Woody and Mia. I'm AJ Benza. That was your daily unfiltered podcast for was it, March 25th. 2020. Talk to you tomorrow. Thank you for listening. Fame is a Bitch is an AJ Benza Workhouse Connect production featuring the endless wisdom, insightful commentary, and sometimes fucked up perspective of AJ Benza. Executive producer, Mike Agavino. Technical producer, Brian Vasquez.